0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you know this? Checked, but the puck comes right to
1: Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! moment's
0: no it on Z to the line Hughes curves in Take to the Sun First career NHL goal. Quinn Hughes makes it one-nothing. a You're listening to Canuck's conversation. Quinn Hughes the reporter here lately. I don't I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the
1: guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together.
0: <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What out? Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots,
1: display. <laughs>
0: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Go check them out on all platforms. Right now at Zephyr Epic, you can join some case breaks, Chris. You can join the hockey mixer featuring the ultimate packs, The group break is on Wednesday, May 11th. This episode is coming out on Tuesday. You've got time to join it. If you want to join that group break, so what a group break is, you buy a spot, and then any card that's picked in your spot, like you watch a live stream of them, they open the packs... Any card that's picked in your slot, you get. So you you don't you never know what it's going to be. Like we've we've taken part in one of these.
1: Yeah, I got stuck with the Ottawa Senators. I'll, tell, I'll say it every time.
0: I got the Florida Panthers. It wasn't very yeah, good. yeah. Not great. Not
1: if you're you got to get lucky. Maybe you get a couple spots in there too.
0: And they're ripping open some. Uh, they're opening six 2021 Upper Deck Series One Hobby Boxes. That again is tomorrow. May eleventh at four forty five PM. If you'd like more information, shoot Chris or I a message. Uh we'll get you uh get you where you need to be to you know go is open going some on packs too packs with Zephyr Epic.
1: Springtime. Springtime, right? It's yeah. almost spring right now. They got the spring bloom sale at Zephyr Epic. Pokemon Sword and Shield Chilling Rain. I see that I see people ripping these on TikTok all the time. These chilling rain packs, they're on sale. Uh the booster boxes. You know what we Zephyr do. Zephyr Epic.com. You know
0: what we should do for some Patreon content? Pokemon cards. Open some Pokemon cards, but then have a battle with whatever you pull. Man, I got some old Yu-Gi-Oh decks laying around. Harm's a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. I, I've never played Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, we, we have an ad read to do. That's not even the best part about Zephyr Epic, Chris. And not that's even. saying something, because those group breaks are a lot of fun. The best part about Zephyr Epic is that they ship free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Port Renfrew, beautiful place. You go
1: down camping on Vancouver Island, you're going to Port Renfrew. Pachita Bay, that's what I'm talking about. You got a big view of the sun coming up, maybe the sun going down. I can't remember. (laughs) Had a lot of drinks when I'm in Port Renfrew. (laughs) From Port Renfrew to Pincher Creek, Alberta. Beautiful. Pincher Creek, 101 kilometers west of Lethbridge, of course, as you know, quads. 210 kilometers south of the beautiful city, one of your favorites, Calgary. Calgary. So 210 kilometers south of uh, Calgary, you can find Pincher Creek. And the cool thing about Pincher Creek, and this is—I don't know if this is confirmed. This is just a rumor that I heard about Pincher Creek, the windiest city in Alberta. Really? The windiest city in Alberta. A couple mountains around it.
0: I wonder it. where it ranks worldwide then.
1: I don't know how windy Alberta is in general. No, I don't. It's either. not. Well, what's the windy city? Is Chicago? Yeah, yeah. So they say going the wind- to be windy. That's what they say. See, so if you think it's windy in Chicago, you should see it in Pincher Creek. That's what everyone there will tell you.
0: It's a good thing most of our audience is adults because if there were kids like in science class or something and they were listening to this, you know, they get all confused. They're like, "These guys don't know anything." I don't need science.
1: I just told you everything you need to know about Pincher Creek. I don't know what you're talking about. If there's
0: one takeaway from this podcast that you don't need to pay attention to, right now, I
1: I guarantee it. Go on Google right now, search up Pincher Creek, Alberta, go to images. I guarantee a wind turbine comes up in the first 15
0: photos. This is still a Zephyr epic We're five minutes into the episode. I'm fired. We're going to get to the next one. I got an
1: American energy drink here.
0: Okay, we'll get to that in a second. We're also delivered by the great folks at. DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code convo dd capital C capital Poor DoorDash
1: guy trying to get into my building. We only got one elevator working. The timer it gives you like five minutes to get in. The poor DoorDash guy couldn't get up to my apartment. I had to come down and get uh get my Wendy's breakfast the other day. This I is, went back for a second round.
0: This is quickly turning into a rip your uh building that you were bragging about. Oh, I'm
1: not gonna rip the building. I, I don't
0: even say you're bragging. That was the wrong term. I want to correct that. You weren't bragging, but you were talking about how excited you are about living in this building. I
1: I like the building.
0: Uh, I like the
1: building, but we have, we didn't have any elevators yesterday. Anyways, sorry, sorry. <laughs> run
0: down twenty five flights. No, stairs. not
1: down. Down would have been fine. I had to run up, <sighs> and here's the bonus on top. I had a radio hit to do. We'll get to the whatever. DoorDash. I don't even know the promo code. We'll get to that in a minute. The door. I had to run up. So I parked the car, whatever, go wait to you know, check the elevator. It's not working. Okay, that's great. But I'm four floors down into parking. So I had to run up four floors, then 25, then do a radio hit. My phone was soaking wet because it was like I was sweating so much oh, and I had geez. it on the side of my face. <laughs> I do this whole radio hit on Sportsnet. In the
0: stairwell. You did no, it while I, running I, upstairs. No, I ran oh.
1: up all the stairs and <laughs> got up there first, hammered a Gatorade, pulled open a second Gatorade and then did the radio hit from there. And that was a struggle. We got one elevator working now. Okay. You know what the problem is? It's a sump pump. That's what's. Uh, that's what they say on the sign. I don't even think that's real. I'm pretty sure they just made that up. Yeah, they made that up. They made that up. There's no such thing as a sump pump. They're that's the reason money. the elevator's screwed, apparently.
0: Jim Rutherford finally sent the bill to Aquilini about yeah, how much it's going to cost thing. for the locker room, so they shut down the elevators. Yeah, he's like,
1: you know, we'll save money. We'll uh, shut down one of the Aquilini buildings. Uh, I don't know. Two just their say their it's elevators. a sump
0: pump or something.
1: Yeah, run something with pump and put it in there. That's what's going on in my building. So okay. I hope they like that uh, new locker room because I'm paying for it right now. <laughs>
0: okay. Anyways, <laughs> we're, we're joking. We're quite clearly quite, joking. Quite but, clearly joking. But promo code CONVODD with DoorDash uh, gets you 25% off and free delivery. On your first uh, order. On your first order with the DoorDash app. My name is David Uh We're about eight minutes into this almost, Chris. Uh, Chris Faber joining Man who built the place. And and I don't know if anybody noticed. Someone shot me a message and asked for the intro to be shorter. I shortened it by five seconds. Really? Wow. Yep. People ask and you listen. That's good. That's right. Where, what part of five seconds did you cut off? Just at the end. I just faded it earlier. Oh, a little early Once, fade. Because we got to get the parts where we talk. Maybe we, we should trim it. Uh, and we have some exciting stuff coming up next season yeah, that we're going to get to. We're going to trim it. It's it's not going to be know. a minute 45 if we're doing.
1: Yeah, because I get it. I get people that, you know, you get in your car and you're like, all right, listen to the podcast. and you You, you know. Stay in your driveway for, for 10 seconds. <laughs> Press the bonus 30 seconds. Skip again three times. Some people really like the intro. I, when
0: I, I know. We can shorten it by a bit.
1: No, but when this drama was going on months and months ago about people saying the intro is too long, and then they probably really hate this episode, but a lot of people <laughs> reached out and said, oh, I like the intro. It fires me up. It's, like, it's not hard. like I have to listen to your show every day. Could you imagine that? People would hate us. But two times a week, maybe some people like the intro to fire them up.
0: little foreshadowing there.
1: little foreshadowing there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's move into it. Let's move into some hockey talk, Chris. We have a lot. Today is the draft. lottery? What about my
1: energy drink here? I got a a girlfriend went across to this across the border. It's the offseason quads. Girlfriend went across the border. Pick me up. The uh, draft
0: lottery is tonight and you want to talk about what is that? Target
1: energy? I'll tell you what. There's a what? 0.5% chance the Canucks go fifth. There's 100% chance this energy drink. Good. It's an (laughs) excellent energy drink. Here's the problem. She went down and was like, "Oh, I'm going to get him a nice." She always gets me little treats, little fun, little energy drinks that I like. Got me like a peach monster, which was excellent. And then she's like, "I got you this uh, sour heads bang." No ads, no free ads. You can bleep that out. How much sugar in there? Zero. It's a zero calorie drink. See this zero see calorie it. drink. But here's the problem. The bangs just came to Canada last month and like we have these in Canada. So the label looks a little different, but I appreciate the effort by her anyway We're
0: approaching ten minutes, so I'll wrap it up quick.
1: But Final thing she got me from this one more thing. You you've probably heard about these. These cucumber lime Gatorades. Have you heard about them?
0: Yeah, I've heard. So they
1: have you ever had one? No. So she got one. I haven't uh, like I used to have one that I would keep in my baseball bag and I'd keep it in there for years and years and years, and it just it just festered and festered. Oh is that the right gosh. word? But when we were on a losing streak, like if we ever got swept in a, in a, in a day of baseball where you play doubleheaders yeah. pretty much every day in the Beast PBL, if, ever, if we ever got swept, everyone had to take a sip of the old dirty cucumber lime Gatorade that That's I had sitting disgusting. in there. And we didn't lose many games because of that. I That's think that gross. was a big reason why our team was so good.
0: That is awful. That's disgusting. Nick Pavetta
1: on the mound? Doesn't matter. We're drinking cucumber <laughs> lime Gatorade. We'll We'll be all right. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm done now. Thank God. Okay, the caffeine hit is out of me now. After this, uh, excellent. I just
0: woke up too. Yeah, I know. A little bit late. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Draft lottery is today. Uh, By the time this comes out, we'll know where the Canucks are selecting. By the time we record this, we do not know where the Canucks are selecting at the time of recording. Uh, I think like ninety-five, ninety-seven percent chance that it's fifteenth overall. Uh, We'll get into ninety-eight point five. Yeah, something crazy like that. We'll get into. you know, who they could select at that spot in the coming weeks. And you'll have plenty of stuff on Canucks army about that. Yeah. Um, good one obviously. on uh,
1: Well, let me get that out. Good one on Saturday. We're going to have Marco Casper joining the show. He's supposed to join us today, but he's traveling for the world championships. Um, so he'll join us. We're going to do the interview, I think on Thursday and we'll have that on the Saturday show. Good example of a guy at 15 right there. I'll yeah. talk about him more on the, the weekend Saturday. episode, a yeah. lot of stuff. We'll have a. I have a huge article coming to Canucks Army. I've spent like I've watched every single game of his SHL season, all the junior games that he played for Austria. So lots of stuff coming. Uh, huge article. Can't wait. It's gonna be my return of uh, scouting with favor on Canucks Army. Yeah, Saturday.
0: I. have s- started to look at the goaltenders because that's what people have asked me to do. I showed it's you bleak. I it showed you bleak. your guy
1: though. I you didn't show are oh, yeah, finished you did. guy. That's yeah. right. You did show me. I guarantee you come around on him. I bet it.
0: I, I will watch more of him, but it's quads has got an
1: report. How tall are they? No, it, are it, they finished?
0: Are they finished? It's looking really bleak for goaltenders yeah. in this draft. I don't see a lot of uh, goaltenders with just, you know, th- there's some guys with high upside, but there's nobody with like elite upside. Like you might get a feel good story. Like someone will get taken in the fifth round and you'll be like, wow, like, Look at him. He, you know, nobody thought he was going to be good because right now it doesn't look like there's just anybody that's near NHL ready. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be someone that project. Know, yeah, it's going to be project goal. Do you still believe
1: way. though that it should be you should draft a goalie every year?
0: Uh no. Or is this
1: maybe the year to, to not take one? I don't think the sixth, you take one. Round.
0: I don't think you take one this year. You've got you've got C-loves, You've got Koskenvo. Um, I think you take one next year. I, I think, and I'm not just saying this because I know. Uh, Clarkie's philosophy is to take uh, take a goaltender every you know two out of three years I think is what what yeah. he went on the record saying um, but I don't know I'd be surprised that he kind goaltender. of forgot about
1: Koskinen but we haven't talked about him for a long time but still plans to go to Harvard I think still next year right I don't think that's changed at
0: 22-23 oh really yeah I don't think he's going next year
1: oh interesting okay well then that's good for him he'll, he'll still be playing in the J20 league I guess yeah. he's only 18-19 yeah he'll year. rip it up
0: JD Burke will cry
1: yeah, and you can tell me how much he's going to be better than uh, Askarov. Yes, exactly. He's going to be ripping it up next that, year.
0: That's a joke. JD doesn't have anything against the Canucks or their prospects. What does JD
1: know anyways?
0: Exactly. I've been asking this for years, but well, JD always comes at me about liking Koskenvo because he's a low save percentage. We'll and I like Seelovs
1: too. JD will come by before the draft uh, yeah. for sure.
0: The uh, the author of the nickname, The Quadfather, uh, JD Brick. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Canucks testing the market for all of. What about
1: draft lottery? Come on, what's what's going on here? So they pick fifteenth is what they're going to pick. Here, they have a lot of options at 15. And honestly, the way that I've been looking at this draft is like, I don't think that there's a huge difference between 15 and 25.
0: Shouldn't we save this conversation for if they move up to... The, what if they move up to fifth overall and someone listens to this, Chris? Well,
1: then they can get one of those top players. Good good for them. What if that happens? Let's uh, let's do this whole episode like they won't. Because I'd love to be able to have a, another episode where we talk sure. about what they're going to do at fifth. But they're, ain't,
0: they're not going to move up to fifth. Uh, hopefully wouldn't, they don't. Wouldn't the most Canucks thing be... That in the one year that they can't move up to first overall to get the balls that would have made them go to first overall? No.
1: The the most Canuck thing to happen would be the Vegas Golden Knights winning the lottery and the Canucks <laughs> dropping the like 0.5% that yeah. they have to draw or 1% chance to drop. That's what's going to happen. Vegas is going to win and move up to sixth.
0: <laughs> no way. That can't happen. I Don't think me. that
1: pick goes to Buffalo, right? That was part of the uh, Eichel deal.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and kudos to Rob Williams uh, of Daily Hive. I rarely say that, but he uh, he pointed out that the Canucks are the second unluckiest team uh, in the history of the draft lottery.
1: Mm, Interesting. That doesn't surprise me one bit uh, at all. And you could say sometimes they have been unlucky with their draft picks as well. Absolutely. But to talk about players that they get at 15, I mean, there's a lot of options, but like I said, I... I really wouldn't be surprised to see this group who now has a general manager with a, once again, you know, love to say it as a Canucks fan, a scouting background. Patrick Alvino obviously knows what he's doing in the draft, and I think having him be now in control of a first-round pick, if you look at guys who have a scouting background and have done well in the draft, they're confident in moving down from your first-round pick. It's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Vancouver Canucks do. I wonder how much value you can get from dropping down 10 picks. You know, if you go from fifteen to twenty-five, I really like the back end of the first round. Like you have some, you have some real big defensemen. Liam Bisshel is a good example. The six-foot-five left-shot defenseman who's playing in the SHL this year. You have a ton of of just like guys with one really good skill that maybe you can hope they can round out the rest of the game. Marco Casper is a guy who like is in a lot of people's uh, top twenty-five. Some people have him later in the first round than that, even like in the top thirty. So, like, there's a lot of really good options, I think, late in the first round. I don't think you need to be locked in at 15. Like, you Mm -hmm. want to explore other teams if they have their guy there. Or if a player, like, you know, a player slides to you, like potentially
0: Brad Lambert,
1: I don't think he gets to 15. But if he's a player that slides or... Brad
0: Lambert was was listed at 10 on international skaters. Or, or, sorry, I think it was 8th. Listed at eighth on internet of International skiers well, by know, NHL Central Scouting, which you know, is crazy. Craig Button had him at twenty-seventh, yeah, or twenty-fourth or something. Yeah, people are low on Brad Lambert. Yeah, and I, sure. I I talked to a scout about this, and um what they told me was that Lambert when he was in his age sixteen season, that's when everybody kind of caught caught they were like, yeah. Whoa, this guy's huge, he skates like a gazelle. Um, you know, he's he's fantastic, like this is gonna be a great player. And then he just kind of stayed at that level. Like, he never improved. And that's where teams are now worried. And they're saying, okay, hang on a second here. Did this kid peak at 16? Like, what are we getting ourselves into here? And that's why he's fallen so low and that's why uh nhl central scouting had him out of i can confirm they had him out of the top seven for sure i'd have to look at the list to know for sure but he, i believe he was eighth or tenth of of international skaters so think of all the north american skaters that are ahead of him too right well even
1: just looking at like Finnish players that play a similar game to him like kemmel is a perfect example of a guy who rose a ton at the start of the year like i i remember seeing kemmel in a lot of people's top three at a certain point like as kind of like the third guy there he's dropped quite a bit as well he might be a guy that's available At like you know nine to twelve, maybe Kemmel's got a wicked shot. He proved that in the league at the first half this year. wasn't as good after the World Juniors. It didn't really have a good performance in the short World Juniors as well. So you have to look forward to what the World Junior Championship can do as well. Like how how far can these guys grow from there? But because it's going to be it's after the draft, right? It's August, isn't it? So it's going to be like you're going to have the draft and then World Juniors after. It's too bad for a lot of these players who grow from there. So. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what the Canucks can do with that 15th pick. I know we're going to talk to a lot of prospects on our way up to the draft anyways, and a lot of people who cover prospects. I love chatting about things, learning about players, and, and listening to people that, uh, you know, we've had a lot of good people on in the show in the past, and we'll bring a lot of them back to chat about their specific uh, region that they like to scout. So we'll do a ton of that throughout the off season. but I, I do think that, like, I wonder what value you can add for moving down 10 spots. Moving from 15 to 25 or 15 to 23, like, you can add a lot of, a lot of like good quality draft picks there. The Canucks haven't had enough second-round picks. They don't have a second-round pick this year. You can get a lot of value in a second-round pick, especially if you can like add a second for moving down to maybe you know 28th. Can you add a second-round pick on top of that if a team really wants someone at 15? Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm just not so sold that it doesn't feel like, a t- like... Tier 1 is obviously Shane Wright. Then you can look at Tier 2 kind of, to me, is like 3 to six. And then from six, like, it, there's not, like, a tier four to me. Sorry, tier who's
0: four. number two? Because you said Shane Wright, and then three to six. Who's number two? Is there a clear number two in this draft?
1: Well, like, I think that there's there's a clear number two for me. I like Yerchik a lot, David Yerchik. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think that's fine. Simon Nemec, like, the two defensemen that are at the top of the lineup there. Like, that. that's... To me, that's like a two and three talent, but it's not like a really like it doesn't feel like similar drafts where it's like this guy's for sure a top three pick like these guys are there in this draft and they're solid. But there's a lot of different players like Slavkowski's really good out of the finish league. He's been excellent. We obviously saw him score at a high rate of the world championships even last year. There's a lot of people that really like Frank Nazar out of the United States development program. Um Logan Cooley as well out of the United States national team, another good example. And then like, it kind of just drops off after that. Like to me, there is, there's a lot of really different rankings throughout a lot of different scouting websites right now between like seven and I would almost say like 23, like there's a lot of different movement from people who like certain players and people who don't like, I I don't think 15 is a great spot to think that like, like when they drafted pod Colson, in that draft, it felt like after Pod Coles, and there was a, a drop-off, right? Because remember, it was like Zegras, Pod Coles, and Broberg was kind of in that group as well, even though I don't think he's a first rounder. Anyways, like after that, it felt like a drop off of a tier. And it was nice that the Canucks kind of closed out. It almost felt like that in the Quinn Hughes draft, too. Like after Quinn Hughes went to the Canucks at seven, it was like right on. Like this is this is like the next tier down is is a quite a bit of a drop. I don't see that in like near 15. I could maybe say like around 12 it might have like a second tier like there might be like a or sorry like a third tier there from like 12 down to like seven in the rankings but I don't think it's that big of a difference from what you're going to pick at 15 to what you could get at 25 if you like a player and he's sliding I like the idea of just adding more draft picks and getting the Canucks more ammo for what they're about to do in this draft and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them move on from that pick.
0: Okay. Are but, we done with draft and draft lottery?
1: But not moving that pick for a player. They need to move that pick to to get more picks. It's not about moving your first round pick for a player. You're not the you know the New Jersey Devils who are going to end up moving a first round pick for a player. The Canucks can't do that, and I don't think they will do that, especially with Patrick Alvin now as the GM, who's going to be making a lot of the decision with the first with the first round pick that they have.
0: Okay. Anything else on draft and draft lottery? Um. Remember, we're recording this on Tuesday uh before the draft lottery actually takes place. Uh so we don't know where the Canucks are going to select by the time this is out, you'll hear about it and you'll also be able to read about it on canucksarmy.com. Yeah,
1: for sure. Uh Danilo Yurov, another good example of the KHL be interesting to see what happens with him just because he's in Russia. Um very talented player. I don't know where he kind of ranks on a lot of people's boards or what kind of happens with the situation with Russian players getting drafted out of there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And then just the final name, Owen Pickering out of the WHL. I know, uh, I think Dolly had that coming out that the, the Canucks like some players out of the WHL this year with their first round pick Pickering kind of fits into that spot. Uh, Connor geeky is another example of a player there as well. I don't think, uh, I don't think there's another name that really pops off the page is one of these okay. WHL.
0: So I've, I, I I'm going to leave a lot of the draft coverage to you and like research. I've, Read and watched a little bit of of Geeky, younger brother of Morgan Geeky. Yeah, great name. uh, Looks like a slow skater. Like, he looks like not a great skater. And I'm seeing all this stuff about work ethic and doesn't want to back check. I I think this is a player you avoid.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't fit like...
0: This is why I like Marco Casper so
1: much, because Marco Casper fits the... Niels Huglander, or Elias Patterson, Vasily Colson type of player that they've drafted in the past where in it's terms like of work ethic of work ethic around the rank and like authoring. And like I said, I don't want to get too deep into Casper here because I want to do that uh, on the on the weekend episode. But I talked to his coach on Monday and he's just like he's the first one on the ice. He's the last one off. He just the way that he was talking about him reminded me of exactly what we all heard about Vasily Colson, where it's just like hockey is the only priority in his life it's not the number one priority it's the only thing like he you know casper taught himself how to speak swedish in like six months like he showed up in sweden and learned how to speak swedish in six months like this guy works really hard at his craft to be able to do certain things be comfortable in the position that he's in i've heard similar things about geeky but i've also seen like when you see the high-end highlights of this kid that's a struggle with it's like if he's doing in the whl it might only be able to you know, a player like that might only be able to do that in the WHL or in junior hockey. Yeah, this hockey. is
0: just a player I avoid. I think just from what I have seen early returns. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't
1: hate the skating as much as maybe you've heard or, or what you've seen. I don't hate the skating that much in Geeky's game. I think that there's there's some potential there, and I do like the idea of him. You know, being a center moving forward as well, and that could be huge for this team. And he's just such a big body that, like, yeah, if he was if he you know skated like the win, we're talking about a for sure top ten pick here. But like you said, he probably doesn't go in the top. 12 at this draft because of i guess like the foot speed in his game i
0: think a lot of people have him at that 14 to 16 oh yeah he's
1: he's right around there and if and if he is going to be a pure center moving forward maybe he's uh the right pick for the canucks because i don't think they have to balance like you have to take the best player available with your first round pick yeah you do also sort of want to look at a defenseman or a center for this vancouver canucks team
0: yeah Exactly. Okay, we'll talk draft. We'll talk draft lottery, uh, draft strategy on Saturday's episode and beyond for sure. But uh, we'll wrap it up there for the draft conversation. We'll go to a quick ad break. On the other side, a few Canucks things of note that we will break down. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, I want to give a
1: shout-out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now, we want to give a quick shout-out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite, of the four, there the jerk face 9000, the pink can, something good about those cans there, Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta.
0: And a massive thank you to Parallel 49 Brewing Company for sponsoring the podcast. If you want to sponsor us, partner with us, shoot us a message uh, at Quadrelli on Twitter, at Chris Faber 39 on Twitter, at Chris Faber 39 on Twitter. I have a question for you. The Canucks testing the market for Oliver Ekman Larson, Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, pointing this out on a Monday morning hit on Donnie and Dolly, the team on check. And they talked about how OEL controls the situation. And when he was leaving Arizona, there were two options. It was either the Boston Bruins or the Vancouver Canucks. And we knew how much Jimbo loved himself some OEL. Uh, So is this a case of Jim Benning no longer works in the league and you're not going to be able to move this defenseman? Yeah, I mean, first of all,
1: really good bounce back year from OEL. Plays what twenty two minutes a night over that. Average. Solid defensively. Something that kind of shocked thirty everyone. points. Yeah, and he wasn't beat. Like he wasn't beat. Like everyone, like we were thinking. Like everyone was thinking that it was going to, you know, he was going to get yo levied every time a player came down the wing on him. Just it didn't happen. He played solid hockey this year. He's still a defender who's getting older, getting into his thirties, deeper into his thirties, and. He's making a lot of money, and that's the thing. It's like those things set alone it makes it really tough to deal OEL. I didn't even mention the no move clause at this point. To move on from him, if he had no sort of trade protection, would be tough. For him to now give you an example like he had with with Arizona, where you know they move one or two teams, I I find it almost impossible to do. Like I, I think the Canucks are are going to be stuck with OEL for a while here. If they if they have a couple of really bad seasons, maybe he does one out. But I I think he's probably pretty happy like he was able to have a bounce back year with the Vancouver Canucks. I don't think he wants to move away from the Vancouver Canucks. He had success with Tyler Myers. Like that pairing was was decent all year long. It was much better than we expected for sure. And they're making a ton of money for sure. That's that's something that needs to be noted always because we we live in a cap league now. But the play that they had together was solid. They were able to to move into a second line role where a second pairing role where where they looked good. Like they looked good for a second pairing to me. I know they make a ton of money and they probably don't live up to the $13 million that they make. But for a second pair, I thought they looked fine at five on five all season long.
0: And the thing with OEL, I've written about this and I've talked about this in the past, is that I think just based on the contract structure, I think you want to just hang on him. You have to bite the bullet on that. I don't think yeah. it's worth like, like it, I, I mean, if you can move them and you can find a team that's going to give you like a third round pick or something like if it's Hamannick 2.0, which I don't think it is, you know, you know that that's a trade that you have to at least explore, right? The thing that's confused me a little bit, and maybe confused isn't the right word, but just with OEL, how, you know, like, he's a number one defenseman on a handful of teams, some of which are even in the playoffs. Like, is he not, really? Is he not the Minnesota Wilds' number one left-handed defenseman if he's on that team right now? Oh, man. And and that's just one example. Like, yeah, I don't know if he's like a
1: team's number one, though. Like, he can't be the guy getting 25 minutes a night. Sure. He can't be that. Sure. But he can fit. He looks, he might look like a number one when he's playing 21 minutes. I don't think he's the guy who can get 82 games for you at 24 minutes a night.
0: Okay. But. Imagine that some of the that time now comes on the power play, where he was sure. effective okay. when Quinn Hughes went down, right? And, and I guess my point is, is that he's not a, he's not going to be a number one defenseman ever in Vancouver. He's always going to be behind Quinn Hughes, and that's no fault of his own. You're not like shaking your head at Bruce Boudreaux for playing Quinn Hughes ahead of Oliver Ekman Larson. That's a no brainer. Of course, Quinn Hughes is going to be ahead of Oliver Ekman Larson, but. There are other teams where Oel is the first pairing defenseman. He's giving you good power play production, um, like he did when he filled in for Hughes. He, like fifty point guy, maybe for you, he can get shots through. Like, yeah, he does he's a good not, job. Of that. He's not a bad defenseman.
1: Like, and think about how bad the first half of his year was too. Like exactly. he finishes the year thirty points. He had a really bad start to the season. Yeah. So I, I'm riding a little bit with you, but I think just at the cap hit in the situation, I, I I find it really tough that that a team would want to make that sort of commitment, especially with the years left on his deal to be like, yeah, he's a number one this year, but like he bring up Minnesota, Minnesota is a team that like would never in a million years in whatever. What's the Avengers, a uh, hundred thousand different, uh, yeah, 10,000 yeah. different, uh, realities. I don't know the show. I have I've, I've almost fell asleep at, uh, in, in one of the Avengers movies, but like I, the, yeah, like a team like Minnesota just can't do it with their cap situation. There's not a lot of teams aside from like, I don't know, maybe like in Ottawa or in Arizona, <laughs> like Arizona's but, not trading back for him.
0: But let's say you take back. And again, I'm not going to spend too much time on these like wild trade scenarios. But let's say you take back a bad contract that has maybe one to three years left on it, but it has more real dollars owed. Like, let's say that's what's that's what you're looking at. Right. Uh, then maybe a team is looking at it and saying, OK, there's someone we can actually get value out of. And this guy that we have for one or three, one to three more years, isn't very valuable to us. So we'll move on from him again. Yeah. I'm throwing out no, wild know, scenarios and another one that I, I saw kind of pondered a bit and thrown around that I, I don't think is going to happen. I don't think it's something the team should really do. Uh, it is something interesting to note though, pairing him with JT Miller in a trade. If, if you're moving oh, man, out no, no, JT no. Miller um, you know, you are still getting net positive value if you're attaching OEL to that. It's oh, not man. like a cap dump if you're pairing JT Miller. Your trade value obviously comes down. You're looking at, you know, th- we know the price tag for Miller was super high. Like it was like, you know, a first, a, a really good prospect and that sort of thing. Maybe it's all of a sudden, if, you, if you're if you pairing OEL and, and Miller together, you're getting a late first, early second, right? And, and that's not a great return, but you're also purchasing cap space. Right. Sure. And and cap space is very valuable
1: in this league. Yeah, that's why no team's taking, you know, twelve million dollars in cap space in one trade. Yeah. Unless they're dealing like a player that's on like a two year deal left with like six million dollars. Yeah, exactly. I You'd- think the Islanders might like the Islanders have some really bad contracts. Could yeah. the Islanders be a spot that could potentially put together a trade package for OEL? Maybe, but Here's the problem. Does OEL want to go to New York and play for the exactly. Islanders?
0: No. And that's why I hate to speculate about all this because OEL loves Vancouver. From and what it, we and here's tell. the other
1: thing. Like second
0: half of the year, you have to
1: say like offensively, it was coming together. And the first half of the year, defensively, OEL looked fine. Yeah. And like those first half of the year, like first half of the year, his first 39 games, seven points. Okay. That's not great performance offensively. He had a really good finish to the year. He found success with Tyler Myers. Uh, it, it is. It's been a struggle for the Canucks because like, they have these these defensemen on these big contracts and it's not a great situation on the back end, but you were able to find something with two defensemen that have given problems over the past few years and they work together. And now you can set them up again for another year. Maybe they develop even more chemistry together. It's something that I asked both OEL and Myers about uh, at the end of season availability and they both wanted to keep playing with each other. They both want to continue to grow this and I think that's the way that you're looking at a lot of things on this Canucks team, specifically like even just looking at the Bruce Boudreaux situation It's like, Starting fresh is a good thing for a lot of people, like just in general in life. But to me, with a hockey team, they want to build off what they just did. They want to build off how they finished the season and and not only continue to do that, but the key word is build. Like you want to build off of the strong success you had and continue to see what works and continue to roll with those moving forward. So I think that OEL has had a season that he can build off of. And if he can, maybe you can have that conversation in next off season, but I don't think anything's happening this offseason no, at all.
0: I just, yeah, exactly. I, he's I one of these Friedman things where he just
1: puts yeah. a little sprinkle on something, and he fires up the fan base about stuff. Gets people. Art. Friedman knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he's best in the business for that. He Again, knows what he's doing. the
0: verb he used: Canucks testing the market and or trying to find a market for OEL. Yeah, so. the more
1: and more we like put out news about stuff, you learn the little words that people use sometimes. Oh, yeah. you know, hearing this, testing this, could be this, like. I wouldn't be surprised if Yeah, that's another good one. You <laughs> okay. just you learn what each of them mean a little bit. Yeah. From like tweeting them out yourself.
0: That's why I don't I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. And yeah, we've okay. already spent way too much time talking about uh, OEL because I, I will maintain what I said before. Uh, this is a guy just based on his contract and his production and everything, this is a guy that it's it's smarter to just bite the bullet on. And again, that's why I I very much so disagree with the notion of pairing him with a JT Miller because you're getting such value in any JT Miller trade and to just shoot yourself in the foot for the sake of creating cap space, which I know is valuable, but... You you've then got to go replace those players. I don't think it's worth it. I was all in say, all,
1: if you're gonna hit, you know shoot yourself in the foot, just do it with keeping OEL on your team. I feel like that's a less of a yeah, bullet that's, wound that's than it would be training. That's shooting yourself trading.
0: in the pinky toe rather than you know the big
1: toe. One of these uh, gel blasters that I see on uh, TikTok. You see these things. Man, I must be on TikTok too much. I bring up these things in the, hey, the... like,
0: see this on TikTok and you you the 22-year-old has no clue what's going on. Yeah,
1: you're too busy on freaking watching Addison Ray videos the whole time. I know what you're on, too. TikTok I don't even there. know
0: who Addison Ray yeah, is. Yeah,
1: exactly. I was gonna say... It, the gel blasts, is like, little... Because uh, I, I had BB guns growing up, right? You have BB guns? Your parents, yeah. they didn't want airsoft, airsoft. Yeah, so airsoft guns, yeah. Now they got these things that are, like, jello, almost. Like, you put... They look like little BBs, and you put them in water, and they turn into, like, gel... And then you just shoot them in that you don't have to like pick them up after because that was the problem with BB guns. I was like, yeah, had to, you know, my mom's freaking pulling out the wooden spoon because there's plastic BBs all around the house. She's pissed off about that. Now you just got the gel blasters. They blast into things and they just disappear.
0: Do they like make things wet?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't have one. Okay.
0: All right. Good stuff. They're as good. always, yeah, cool little guys. Uh, Barry Trotz fired yeah. by the New York Islanders, Chris, and this was interesting because you know. Uh, aside from the obvious connection that Barry Trotts looks like Bruce Boudreaux's evil defensively minded twin brother I've always
1: thought of that that they are yeah. <laughs> the yin and yang of each other Yeah like,
0: exactly he's literally Bruce Boudreaux's evil defensively minded uh twin brother yeah. He just looks he looks like an angry and meaner Bruce Boudreaux. I, Yep, I I've, I've heard good things about Barry Trotts but regardless um Barry Trotts fired by the New York Islanders the the man the the replacement in this league it's crazy you win a cup just a few years ago and you get fired twice um quickly before we continue on the Barry Trots thing Travis Green uh gonna be talking to multiple teams there's gonna be multiple suitors for Travis Green services good for him yeah good for Travis Green uh okay Barry Trotz fired by the Islanders structure Jim Rutherford talking about structure Chris oh, no. the link started People started making that connection. So, well, Barry Trotz has structure in his systems. Very defensive-minded coach. Right away, I kind of looked at this and thought, this is not the right coach for the Canucks. Uh, This is not even to mention the whole Bruce on the Kuzmenko call, which we'll get to in a second. But Barry Trotz, uh, fired by the Islanders. I don't doubt that he'll... um, have little trouble finding work again i do not think that he is the right coach for the canucks i don't think he'll be coaching in vancouver anytime soon
1: you bring up travis green travis Green's sitting there like oh well i guess uh, whatever job i really wanted i'm not getting because trotz is gonna get it uh yeah i mean like he's he's obviously he's a stanley cup winning coach he's a coach with a strong winning record a ton of career wins he he takes teams and he gets them into the playoffs he gets them to the conference finals with the way that he coaches and you mentioned it structure like that is the thing that that Barry Trotz's coaching is, is built on it's having a defensive style of play that shuts teams down. And if you put the right players in his position and they don't need to be stars, but I think that part sort of wears on people a little bit. I think we've, Sort of wondered what Matt Barzell's future is going to be under there. And I think that going into, I think, his final year next year for Matt Barzell, it'll be interesting to see what they replace there uh, with the Islanders. Otherwise, I think Barzell's name has been kind of floated in some of these Friedman chats as well. Bring him home. About uh, about where he could end up. Bring
0: and him home to Coquitlam.
1: Trotz, I got I got a DM I want to bring up, actually, about Trotz as well, because I'll throw this to you, You're a big goalie guy. This is from D-Baird sent me this one. He said, another factor with Trotz coming to Van is that Trotz has always had the exact same goalie coach since Nashville. Mitch Corn.
0: Yes, Mitch Corn.
1: So yeah. you've heard, and he's a top-end goalie coach as well, but I tell you that ain't coming to Vancouver if it's Trots. That's you know, I uh, listen, this is one of these things where it's like people are overreacting. I I think that you you could see Trots's name come up in Vancouver if things aren't going good with Boudreaux in like 10 days from now, right? When you start to get closer and closer to that June 1st date, once teams are eliminated from the playoffs in the first round, if Boudreau's not signing within like a week of that, like a week of the second round starting, I'd start to wonder a little bit. And then if you are looking at the way that this organization and specifically ownership has been investing a lot of money in people, like it could be a possibility. Like, I'm not saying it's, it's complete just rumor at this point, but that's all it really kind of feels like right now, because this is a situation where the Canucks look like they have a coach who wants to be here next year from everything that Boudreaux said at his end of season availability. He wants to be here next year. And, Unless something changes from a team maybe getting knocked out of the playoffs or another coach being fired that wants to get with Boudreaux, I don't know. I I think trots would, would obviously be a good coach. He's a great NHL coach. And if the Canucks can't get Boudreaux, then yeah, I think they should try and work something out with Barry Trotz. I just don't know. How that works out, especially with the situation with Boudreau right now, and I don't want to dive too far into it, because I personally still think that Bruce Boudreau is going to be back here coaching the Vancouver Canucks Exactly,
0: And that brings me to my next thing. Obviously, yeah, like you brought up Mitch Corn there. Uh, Ian Clark, Mitch Corn, kind of synonymous as the, uh, you know, premier goaltending coaches in this league. A ton of respect. I was working
1: at 650 the other day. I was working the People Show with uh, Randeep and Bick, and uh, somebody texted in and they said, Bring in Barry Trotz as an assistant. Get him to run the defense and let Boudreaux run the offense. I said, listen, Aquilini wants to spend some money, but do you know how expensive it would be <laughs> to get Barry Trotz and, and Bruce Boudreaux on the same coach? Like, <laughs> what is this? An, it sounds like an Olympic team.
0: Like, oh, my god. So he was like,
1: just do that. That's fine. That's easy. Barry Trotz yeah. would want to step down
0: from being a head coach. Their That's next for text sure. after
1: was like, well, Pedersen, just post on Instagram. Trade him. So, yeah, that person, <laughs> I don't know, was a great texter. And, uh, you know we've seen some of those texters into the oh, yeah. uh, inbox with our the show. Sunglass uncles, baby. Back on the air, by the way, with our show on uh, the yeah. weekends. The yeah, warm-up. No longer the Canucks warm-up.
0: Yeah, talking Jays, talking umpires. You had
1: a good uh, umpire rant. People check it out uh, Thank you. on the, uh, I don't know, the website. We're not we're not good enough to be a podcast over there yet. You Apparently. just gotta, you gotta listen to the show on a website.
0: Yeah, go to the Canucks warm-up show page. Okay, Bruce Boudreaux uh, was on the Andre Kuzmenko call that the Canucks had on Friday, Chris. Uh, reports are suggesting that he made a good impression On Kuzmenko, who is the Russian forward in the KHL, uh, leading scorer in the KHL, second highest leading scorer uh, in the KHL this year, excuse me, and highly coveted free agent uh, that the Canucks are apparently having a really good chance to sign. We had uh, Dan Milstein, his agent on episode 260 of the Canucks conversation and... It sounded good. Like it sounds like the Canucks are going to have a shot to sign this guy. You don't want to. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, obviously. But it sounds like the Canucks are going to have a really good chance to sign this guy.
1: Yeah, I do think they're one of the front runners. I think uh, Edmonton's been talked about a lot, and I do think Edmonton is the front runner. I just think that the the spot that Kuzmenko is going to be in is that he has to sign a one year ELC. He signs that with the intention of staying in the NHL after and making a lot of money on his next contract. If Edmonton's able to say, hey, you want to come play with Connor McDavid? Hey, you want to come play with Leon Draisaitl? How do you compete with that for a guy who wants to put up a lot of points this next season so that he can hit free agency and make a lot of money in his next year? Well, you have to say like, hey, you want to play with JT Miller? Hey, you want to play with Elias Pettersson? Like These type of things and the type of agent that Dan Milstein is, he's going to like make sure that Kazmenko is getting a top six shot. And I don't know if Kazmenko is for sure a top six player. No, I don't think
0: he is. I don't think he is in this, on this team. And that's, I think where the issue is going to arise. Right.
1: I think so too. And I think that that's going to be the interesting part of it where, sorry, but to play with Connor McDavid or play with Leon Dreissel, you don't need to be a top six player. Exactly. Right. That's why I really think Edmonton's in the, in the driver's seat right now. But I think the Canucks are in the passenger seat. I think the Canucks are in the top two. I think it's Edmonton and Vancouver, as the top two teams that could land. And we've heard Vegas float around. I know we talked to to Dan, uh, his agent, and literally he was on the call with Vegas right before he talked to us. So, you know, to, to know that Vegas is in the mix as well, they can offer him power play time. The Canucks will have to do the same. And I, I so I went back and watched all the, every single goal that he scored all 27 of them. The KHL last year posted that on Twitter you can see there's a there's a ton of skill like there isn't there's absolutely a ton of skill in Kuzmenko's game. And just from watching him play when I was watching Pod Colson and Scott, like he he isn't in those years, he wasn't as skilled. It looked like he was making a lot of good plays. But to me, the thing I liked about Kazmenko was like when him and Pod Colson rarely played together on a line. Their forecheck was excellent. Those two were great at at bringing a ton of energy, and that's the part that I like initially liked about Kazmanko. Was like, yeah, he might not be the most skilled player. I didn't think there was an NHL future in in him. Watching two years ago, but I was thinking like he's one of the guys in the KHL who skates really hard. Both ways, not only like, you know, a lot of the guys, in the KHL, they skate really hard when there's a scoring chance coming, <laughs> but they don't skate very hard when they're trying to defend the scoring chance, but Kuzmenko does. And uh, you could even see that in, in the, the highlight tape that I put up of all 27 goals, there was a good handful of them that were just created off of him. Like I remember going through them and seeing all the goals that were unassisted. And I was like, Oh, it must be like empty netters and stuff. And then you get to them and it's like, Oh no, like he forced a turnover, beat a guy, was able to skate past a defender and score a goal. Like, he he's a good two way player who really has developed strong hands in the year that I didn't get to watch him. Like I didn't, I wasn't waking up for KHL games anymore this year, the two years prior, I didn't see those hands at that high of a level, but this year he took a a massive jump in that department at 26 years old. And I, I think there's like, there is a chance he is a top six player. Like, Especially if he's playing with just top end talent and can like push a pod Colson down, push a Huglander down. I think he has the potential to do that. Like I think he has the potential to come into the Vancouver Canucks lineup and be better than Pod Colson and Huglander at being a top six player under like a Bruce Boudreau system or even, you know, a Barry Trot system. A lot of coaches would would end up using Kuzmenko in a spot above those two players because of how well Kuzmenko does defensively in his effort level, and it seems like he's in the right spot a lot of the times and I like I I'm, I wouldn't bank on it but it's not it's not like a very unlikely situation that he does come in and put up 40 points. You know, like if I were to if the, he were to be on the Canucks roster next year and you know I love Pod Colson and Huglander, but I I might bet on Kuzmenko getting more points than those two. Like I I would think that he would if he slots into the lineup in the right spot and he gets power play time, I could see him putting up more points than the Canucks two young studs.
0: Maybe he'll win the Calder well, I don't
1: think he can, right? He's 27? Oh, yeah. he will be 27 at the end of the year. Yeah. No, he can't, unless he's Michael Bunting. Oh, my goodness. Michael, man. Michael Bunting ain't a rookie.
0: Michael no. Bunting's three years away from a senior's home. Uh, you know what? I, I followed the rules on my ballot that I had. Uh, he's second on my Calder ballot. Oh. Yeah, that's. I you have to follow the rules. What's the I, rule? I may not agree with it that he is he is eligible as a rookie. So oh. you have to put them all in the same playing field. You can't you can't put him at like six. But well, he shouldn't be on the ballot because he is. i ain't I'm ain't putting him on the top five. That's for sure.
1: Well, you should have. Oh, I would have put him at like fourth, probably. Actually, you have to have. Him. I would have put most yeah. cider up there. I
0: talked to cider's uh, number one for me. Yeah, I, I went. I'll, I'll I'll talk about my ballot a little. Um, there's something else I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll quickly. I talk t- about pull, my ballot before, because- as you pull it up there, I'll uh I
1: talked to Cam Abbott, who's the coach of Rugla over there. We chatted a little bit about Niels Huglander and the comparables. I'll get into a lot of this on uh on the the weekend episode because I don't want to spend because <laughs> I really like Casper. I really like the player that he is, and I think uh, he could be a pick for the Canucks. Um, but he brought up uh, Mo Sider and how impressed he was, and he was like, "Man, at 18, he was just pushing guys around at the SHL, and that's what I saw too." And now to see him come in, he said he watched a lot of his games this year, and he was like. He's like, Mo's going to be able to do even more. Like, he should be a number one, and he'd probably be an even better defenseman if he was on a better team, too. So, I think Sider's going to be a lot of fun, which is so wild because, like, I remember being at the draft and being like, what the hell, dude? What the hell are the Red Wings doing drafting Mo Sider that high? And then it turns out to be like, yeah, you know, he could be the Calder
0: winner now this year for yeah. a lot of people. I've got him number one. I've got Trevor Zegris second. I misremembered what right. I put on my ballot. Uh, Michael Bunting is my third place. Third place pick, but my heart is what I kind of want to talk about. Um, Well, my heart trophy, not my actual heart, but my heart trophy vote. Um, New York Rangers right now, Chris, down 3 1 in the series. And actually, sorry, before we get to that, Bruce Boudreaux on the Kuzmenko call. I wrote about this for Canucks Army, but everybody's kind of talking about this. It's not just me, obviously, but. Really good sign that Bruce Boudreaux is going to be back as head coach if he's on the call and he's, you know, being involved enough to, uh you know, make good impressions on Kuzmenko and be like, hey, if you play here next year, I will be your coach, yep. basically is what's happening. It's just when they so. get to
1: June 1st and some other team throws a three-year $18 million deal at him, you wonder if he wants to come back because it's, we heard from from Rutherford, like, they didn't get to evaluate him for a full season. Yep.
0: So, so we'll see what happens. It, Boudreaux has till June 1st. Sure sounds like uh, he'll come back. Okay. New York Rangers down 3-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins right now in their first round matchup series. Chris, really highlighting the importance of a good team in front of your goalie instead of just having a good goalie and hoping you make it. Because if the Canucks made the playoffs and it was a possibility, they were going to be the New York Rangers basically with slightly worse goaltender in Thatcher Demko uh, compared to Igor Shesterkin. And Shesterkin is, I don't even want to say falling apart, but... He's not playing like he did in the regular season. And there's always that risk. Um, but even that the Rangers aren't strong enough to to help out when their goaltender is playing like that. Where you look at the Penguins, who aren't even that spectacular of a team, just constructed better up front uh, mm-hmm. in front of their goaltender. And look, they got Louis Domingue in net right now. And they're winning the series 3-1. to one. It really, really highlighted to me the importance of just, you know, creating a good team in front of your goaltender. And obviously, like, this isn't news. This is something Jim Rutherford talked about endlessly um, when he first got here. And again, it is postseason media avail. He said, like, we're not good enough. We can't move the puck. Our goaltender bills us out a lot and that needs to change and he's right um and this this really just highlights it uh, the ranger series obviously is really highlighting um just how important it is to create a good team in front of your goaltender obviously yeah. not even considering like if your goaltender gets injured just in general do you know
1: what's better than a really good goaltender mm. a really hot goaltender and that's what yeah, gets that's a fun. lot of teams through playoff runs that's what gets a lot of teams to you know conference finals Like, really good goaltenders are great to have, but they got to get really hot in the playoffs for them to be good. And you mentioned it. Like, it's not like Shesterkin's been bad. He just hasn't been red hot like it was for, it felt like 80% of the season. He was unbelievable. And he's just not playing quite at that level right now because playoff hockey is, it's a different beast. It's a lot, uh, you know, there's the thought of just getting in and seeing what happens. Look at what happened in Nashville, right? Like, you know, they, they got in and, Kind of exactly, and that was a
0: team that like similar example built around UC Soros. Yep. and maybe they win a game or two if they have UC Soros in net, but just Brent Sutter pummeled. called it. You don't want to face I like I Daryl
1: Sutter. Oh, that's right, Brent Sutter down in uh, Calgary, Red Deer. Red Deer.
0: Daryl's in Calgary. That's okay. Well, I have a lot. Yeah.
1: Anyways, that's good. My enough. Uh, my energy drink's wearing off. It of is just <laughs> good enough at this point. I didn't get a coffee to boost me up here at the break. Um, anyways. Yeah. I,
0: you're right. Like Daryl Sutter said, it's going to be a quick eight days if you're facing Colorado in the first round. I've got my,
1: uh, my long-term bet on the on the Avalanche winning the Cup. Made it at the halfway point of the season. I'm getting ready for that money to come in here on my on my sports betting app. If you have a good sports betting app, hit points me up in the bet. DMs.
0: Use PointsBet. Sponsored by them. Where's that?
1: Oh, we are? Yeah, we are. <laughs> okay. Where's the money for that? Uh,
0: and the point that I'm making about this, though, uh, with the heart Trophy. Like, I had Shesterkin number one on my heart Trophy ballot. I had him... Followed by Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Johnny Goudreau. Got you looking pretty dumb now, A-Quads? Why? No, I'm just kidding. Shesterkin? <laughs> no, no. Best, best player can. in the league can't even carry his team in the first round. Tough. Neither can apparently the second best in Austin Matthews. Yeah. Maybe well. I should have had McDavid and Goudreau as my first and second. Well, Goudreau, Flames are tied 2-2. Anyways, we won't get too much into the playoffs right now. Uh, but yeah, that, that just being my point, Like Shaserkin, who... I evaluated as the most valuable player of any player in the league this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically, just not good enough right now for the Rangers. Think, and it's not even his fault. You think Matthews wins it though in the end for the heart? I th-
1: I, think I don't know because they
0: they expanded the voting quite a bit. So it's it used to be a lot of Toronto writers, and now it's like I think it's like a, most of the people in the Vancouver chapter of the PHWA have a vote, and I think not it's me. I was the only one. You'll get one extra, I think. No, you you and Rob Williams. Yeah, I think
1: the first year people don't don't get a chance to vote either, because I'm first year this year. You're second year, right? No, yeah, I'm first. So I just (laughs) saw my name, and they're like, "No, too much AHL coverage on this guy's feed.
0: (laughs) Cut him off." Oh man. Anyways, um, so yeah, that was my ballot, and then I'm not gonna go through it. But I I did give Quinn Hughes a fifth fifth place Norris vote, which I'm gonna break down in an article of why I did that. Sounds Um, good. You want yeah. to uh, wrap up with a little bit of quotes
1: from some H L boys? Yeah, today? give us some
0: prospects reports. Had
1: some, uh, I mean, not really a, a prospect, but uh, definitely a chance of being the backup for the Vancouver Canucks. Here, Spencer, Spencer Martin spoke a little bit, and I found it interesting. Like um, I've asked Mikey about this a lot. Like I've asked Mikey DiPietro a lot about the goaltending situation, the goaltending coaching situation of Ian Clark and Curtis Sanford, and. A lot of the time, Mikey just brings up Sanford. Like, a lot of the time, he just brings up Curtis Sanford about how good Curtis Sanford is working with them, and I wanted to know, like, what is it like having, you know, one of the best goaltending coaches in the league and in Ian Clark, like, in your organization? that's finally something that Spencer brought up. Like he said, I credit Sanford, especially Sanford, but him and Clarky for helping me stay ready while I was waiting a little bit more playing for – while I was waiting for some more playing time earlier this year. Like, Spencer Martin was getting – getting a lot set for him at the start of the season from what I heard about Ian Clark. like Ian Clark was the one setting up a lot of things that they liked about Spencer Martin's game, even though the Sanford was apparently the one who spotted him in the AHL and wanted to get him here. But when, when I asked him about like what it's like coming to Vancouver and knowing what the goaltending coaching situation is... It was a simple answer from Art, and He just said it's incredible. Sandman and Clarkie are different goalie coaches in their own aspects, but their message is consistent, and it really helps you build your game throughout the season, especially if you're going up and down like I was. And that just shows, like, man, it, it's so important for these goaltenders that they're in such a good spot to develop with this type of goaltending situation for the coaches that they have, not only at the AHL, but in the NHL level, having them on the same page is huge. And uh chatted a little bit with Jack Rathbone about – Like, everybody, every question that was, like, going to go to Jack Rathbone was like, hey, did you work on your defending? Did you work on your defense? But I wanted to ask him, like, about getting into a rhythm and working on, like, his strengths, too. And and it was something that he brought up today where he was saying, like, the rhythm was huge. That was so important for him to get going in the AHL and to prove that he was, like, an elite offensive player in the NHL, in the AHL, to know that he's ready for the NHL when he gets there. And and that's going to be an interesting one to start for him. And uh, finally, uh, like no Juleson was the one that we chatted with and just like Abbotsford stuff with Juleson. Like it's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun to see the Abbotsford Canucks get into the community more, obviously with COVID being there for, you know, being a huge issue for the first half of the year and then sort of slowing down a little bit, still being around. It was nice to see, uh, Juleson talk about like what the future is going to be for them getting into schools, getting into, you know, camps around the around the Fraser Valley and be able to get to to minor hockey league and practice with these guys. Like it was really cool to hear uh, like a local guy from Abbotsford talk about what the AHL team is looking to do moving forward. And uh, the quote that got a little bit of run quads, I'll let you uh, go in on this one. Jack Rathbone saying. Being able to play under coach and his staff, I don't think anyone should take that for granted. They're probably one of the best coaching staffs in the league. So I think that was huge, being able to work with them every day. That's Jack Rathbone talking about Trent Cull and his staff out there in Abbotsford.
0: Was there a PR person standing with a gun to his head? Not quite. <laughs> just off camera? No, nope, i was just joking. He was in his home. No, I, r- I, know, I know, I know. I know, I'm just joking. I don't think, <laughs> I don't actually, you know, I don't think Jack was... You know, fabricating or acting. No, uh, I didn't find I, I think, I, I think you're right. It is interesting that he would say something like that because, because clearly the players are aware of the heat that's being put on the coaching staff right now. And and like I said, like I know this this coaching staff gets a lot of flack for not developing anybody and all that sort of stuff. I get it, but Jack Rathbone, I think, is the barometer. Right, like Jack Rathbone is the one that you have to look at and say. Okay, if he comes back and he looks the same or just, you know, he he doesn't turn into a top-four defenseman, that's a developmental failure because he's really, you know, like he's a high-end prospect who the organization has been tasked with developing. And, you know, they haven't been able to do it with anybody else, but those players haven't been able to do anything else elsewhere either, right? No, that's true. So. And I mean, those players that I'm talking about, the organization looks at as massive draft um, developmental successes, which is a problem in its own its own right. But, you know, Jack Rathbone, that's the guy I look at and say, OK, if he doesn't turn into anything, you've got a serious problem on your hands.
1: Here's the one uh, from Trent Call on Danilo Klimovic, obviously a, a position that, uh, you know, it was talked about quite a bit, obviously, with Klimovic, because... Didn't play in those two games uh, in the playoffs, and that was really tough to see for a lot of people, seeing that the top prospect wasn't playing there. We made our thoughts pretty clear on the last episode about what we, we thought about as well. Here's what Cole said. He said, I'm a big fan of the young man, and he's 18. There's a lot of time, and we want to make sure we're doing the right things. We want to make sure we're not putting him in positions that would take away from what he is as a player and will become in the future, too. That's like I understand where he's coming from. To me that's not an excuse to play him in playoff games. I know they didn't like the way that he finished the season. I know they didn't like some of the the outbursts that he had in those final two games against Winnipeg. You still you got to let him learn the lesson in the playoffs a little bit. You got to let him learn the lesson and you know Cole also mentioned why they played Jet Wu in that situation on, you know, playing a forward and they're like they wanted to be a little bit more physical. A lot of the players on Bakersfield's best players were big bodies. It just to me I would have would have expected hoped and probably would have seen like Klimovich step up, step up his game in the playoffs, right? Like we didn't even really talk about that last like last episode, but to get into the playoffs for a guy who's like been there all year and not like he understands what's been going on. He's been, he's a hockey player. He watched them fight in the regular season, watched them rise in the standings in the second half of the year. You bet that this kid wanted to play playoff games and would have stepped up his game in the playoff situation. So I still look at that as I know they were kind of, I think the quote was that they were trying to protect him a little bit because they were, that he was struggling at the end of the season. Yeah. So let me, let me read the quote. This is from Trent call about Klimovich. We were just worried about him and it's not out of anger, out of haste or being upset. It was all about trying to protect the guy and trying to do the right thing by him because we didn't want to put him in a situation. Maybe that was might be too much for him. I don't I don't think it would have been too much for. him. I
0: wonder how to feels about that.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. He's been he came here like very early. He, he was, you know, Milstein told us like, what did they say? They drafted
0: him and he was signed by three picks later. Like yeah, he wanted to no, get he here said by pick 45, he already had Jim Benning on the phone and yeah. they were working on uh, the getting him to Vancouver.
1: Yeah. And I think that like he, he rode with this team all year long. He saw the ups and downs of the house Canucks. I I think it would have been good for him to get in the playoff games. I'll say that. I, I think that would have helped him. And I think it would have helped him just like in a lot of different ways of learning what playoff hockey was like, but also having his season not end on him, not knowing what he could have done to the team to help. And I wouldn't have expected a lot. Like I just would have expected to see a higher effort level from him. And if he's playing at a higher effort level, he gets himself in a scoring chances a lot. It's just, that's the thing that needs to be worked on with Klimovic is being able to just be a little bit more consistent. Like his, everyone says his shot so good it's really good in practice when he gets time and space, but in games, it needs to be more consistent. It needs to have a better, you know, just a better release. A lot of the times he misses the release or fumbles the puck a little bit. And that'll come. Like I said, he's 18, Like He just turned 19. He just got married. He's got a lot of good things going for him. He's staying in Vancouver all off season, which is really good. I've seen, uh, silly pod Colson's back in russia already too you see that
0: i thought he's cleaning out his locker today
1: i think he's a well he's posting videos of him uh, with the russian guys from ska over there, there you go on instagram so he's over there now but uh maybe he isn't back i don't know i saw the instagram story unless it was like an old story or something anyways uh good for Klimich to stay uh and get a lot of working time here with these guys with the skating coaches get there with the skills coaches continue to work on your english and and hopefully Kleinovich comes in next year. Like I when I did my hit on 650 yesterday when I was completely out of breath and soaking wet, I just like I look at it and I think they were like, Could the ultimate goal, like the ultimate perfect situation for Klimovich be that he gets some games in at the end of next year? And I was like, I don't even think that's like a possibility. No, exactly. I, I think the ultimate like best case like best case scenario for Danila Kleinovich next season. Is to be in the top six at the end of the year in the AHL. Like that, that's, that didn't happen this year. Maybe like three or four games he ended up sliding in because of injuries or COVID. He got into a top six role, but my like perfect scenario next year is to see him playing with, the Sheldon Remples and the Sheldon Dries or the Justin Bailey's of the team instead of being on a fourth line with Chase Waters and Vinny Arsenal, Like he needs to work himself into a spot where he is good enough to play with the skilled players. And unfortunately last year he wasn't consistent enough to be able to get himself into a top six role. So that's what he needs to do next season. He ain't coming up to the NHL next year. It's just unless he just does something this off season where it's just next level, like, you know, come back and be a different person, different player completely on the ice
0: starts taking creatine.
1: Yeah. He's going, he probably is on the creatine. All right. If you see how big he already is, uh, but it'll be interesting to see him, you know, hopefully, hopefully like continues to work on his English. I know that the guys that I talked to said it really improved throughout the year. I'd love to be able to talk to him about some certain things and, uh, just kind of go from there, like moving forward to, to, to be able to just be more comfortable. Now it's for next year and get himself into a situation where you could potentially be a top six player.
0: Okay. We'll close it out there. Uh, on Saturday's episode, we'll have an interview uh, with... What's that guy's name? Oh, my God. Marco Casper. Marco Casper. I see his name so much. He I can't was going to call him Marco Rossi. Who's that? That's a player.
1: That's a Minnesota Wild prospect. That's yeah. right. See, I know prospects. Judd Brackett likes him.
0: Yeah, Judd Brackett likes him. Okay. Haven't heard that name in a minute. All right. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. The cat